Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Come with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Samuel, Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. We're in a series at the moment called Save Our City or Save My City. I never, I never remember which one it is. Is it Save My City or Save Our City? I think it's Save My City. Save My City. And it's, it's not a bad thing. I think that, uh, you know, if we, if, if we all have a passion to see our city saved, one of the dumbest things, and the devil is, the devil is brilliant at marketing stupid to make it look good. Like, you know, he, he, is, he is, I'm not sure if you ever, you know, watch Star Wars, the Jedi mind tricks. These are not the droids you're looking for. He can go about his business. You can go about your business. Move along. Move along. And it's amazing. The devil does it. The church shouldn't be involved in politics. Oh, I shouldn't be involved in politics. The church, you shouldn't preach prosperity. We shouldn't preach prosperity. The church should be poor and ugly and stupid and sick. Some dear friends of mine said, yeah, when we went to church, we found it was like pus. Poor, ugly, sick, and stupid. And uh, so we're here to say something about it. How many people know that the people carrying the kingdom, carrying the spirit of the living God? Do you know the, when you're born again, do you know what the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, Romans 8, 11, is the same spirit on the inside? You, you can't have the spirit of the raised Christ from the dead working in you and walk in lame Lamo and Christianity don't go together. Yet somehow the devil sold us a bill of goods. So anyway, the title of my message today is the test of a mountain taker, the test of someone who conquers mountains. And we're going to read about a guy called Caleb, even though it's the book of Joshua. But we're going to read about Caleb because they were buddies. So go with me, uh, 14.6. says, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. So Caleb, they've now entered the promised land. They've pretty much taken down all the cities, driven out most of the giants, most of the the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Hivites, they're they're driving them out. They're they're dividing the land up amongst the 12 tribes of Israel. As all of this is happening, Caleb comes to Joshua and says, now Joshua, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me just remind you about the fact that you and I crossed this land and Moses, the man of God, had a word for me. He had a word for me. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly follow the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. I want you to notice that. Surely the land where your foot has trod 
shall be your inheritance and your children. And your children. When God looks, he always sees generations. That's why the spirit of abortion is so wicked because the enemy comes in to take out destiny, take out legacy, take out the promises, take out the generations. God always is looking to see through your life into your children, into your children's children, walking into the blessing. You need to understand that the battles that you fight today, you don't just secure for you, you secure for your children and your children's children. I was telling the Freedom Rally people last night, I'm, I'm actually grateful to, to, to be alive in this time. Uh, you know, there's some complaint. Well, you know, if, if the generation before us did their job, you know, we wouldn't have had to face the, the, the tyranny and the lockdown and the new Cellini. And, you know, and if you go back, it's two generations that kind of sat on their hands and disconnected from political engagement and disconnected from their civic duty and disconnected from voting and felt like, well, you know, Jesus is rapturing us any moment. Why bother getting engaged with stuff on earth? The earth is just getting more and more dark and more and more evil. Therefore, we'll just tap out. What, what part of Jesus' first sermon are you ignoring? You're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We're not the salt of heaven. We're the salt of the earth. We're not the light of the kingdom. We're the light of the world. So when we disconnect, everything turns to custard. So the two generations before us disconnected. So now it's unfair. It's late, But I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful that I get the privilege to fight for our generation because I've got children and I'm going to have grandchildren and I want them to walk in and say, man, thank God that we had a pappy. Thank God that we had a grandpappy. Can you remember? Man, they fought and they partnered with Turning Point USA and they stood against the political tyranny. They stood against the devil. They stood against uh, unholy and unrighteous regimes. They, they tried to bring in confusion and perversion and division and racism into our schools. But, but that generation rose up and we walk in Bible reading in schools and prayer in schools and blessing on America and unprecedented prosperity because there was a generation that drew a line in the sand and said, we'll fight, we'll fight. I ain't kicking the can down the road saying, well, I don't want to get engaged. So anyway, I'm getting a little bit carried away. So he says... Uh, nevertheless, my brethren who went out with me made the, the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot is trodden will be your inheritance and your children, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, I want you to notice a correlation here. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. And as yet, I'm as strong this day as on that same day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so is my strength now for war, both for going out and coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. I, I, I believe that Caleb was the first Scotsman. Because the only way you can really read that is in a Scottish accent. <laughs> Give me my mountain. That's the only way he's probably saying it. His name was Caleb McDougall. <laughs> Aye. He wore a kilt. He was a burly man. Hairy. Chunk of hair red like the fires of hell. 
Caleb McDougall. Give me my mountain. <laughs> now I lost my spot, sorry. Oh, there it is. He says, give me my mountain, for which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be. I, ah, I like this guy. It may be. It might. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord had said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Then the land had rest from war. Then the land had rest from war. So Caleb goes in and he takes the mountain. And before it was called Kiriath Arba, named after Arba, the greatest of the, the giants, but he changes the name now to Hebron. And it becomes significant all through uh, Israel's future from that time onwards. So I want to give you th three, quick, three quick thoughts today. Three tests, three tests that Caleb faced. If we're going to save our city, if we're going to save our county, if we're going to save our school districts, if we're going to save California, if we're going to save America, here are three tests. The first test that Caleb had to endure, and this is the test of any uh, territory taker, city taker, is what I call the test of individuality. The test of individuality. Caleb stood against all the popular opinion of his time. When, when, when 12 spies crossed into the promised land, the, the overwhelming consensus for science, whenever you hear consensus and science, you notice not science, because science isn't consensus. Experts, eh? The, the overwhelming consensus was it is not possible to take the land. Even though there was a land flowing with milk and honey, its cities are fortified. It, it, it's a land that devours its inhabitants. The people are many. They've got great weaponry. They've got great armory. And there's giants, the Anakim. We saw the sons of Anak in that land. There are giants in that land. We are not able. But Caleb quieted the people and says, what are you talking about? Their protection is parted from them. They are our bread. They are our food. Let us go up at once and take the land. God speaks to Moses and he says, none of this generation are going to enter the promised land except my servant Caleb because he has a different spirit. He has a different spirit. He was willing to stand out. He was willing to stand up. When you stand up, you will stand out. I lost my Twitter account and my Instagram account because I stood up and therefore stood out. When you stand out, when you refuse to take the vax to keep your job, get ready because all hell is about to unleash because the spirit of this world wants conformity. There's a thing called what I call herd conformity or conformity of the herd. And the way this operates, if you ever see any of those clips where they, they, they've got a collage of all the different media voices, uh, you know, MSNDC, CNBC, ABC, CBS, 
uh, CNN, they, they all say insurrection, 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 insurrection. It's all strategic. They use the same words, the same phrases, because they want to brainwash you into what they call herd conformity. What that means is there's a longing to belong in every single one of us. There's a desire to be accepted. There's a desire to be approved, and there's a desire to be affirmed. The three A's of every human being. We want acceptance, we want approval, we want affirmation. Every single human being. So they use a psychology, it's a satanic ploy, it's a satanic psychology to get you to conform to the herd, to not be an outlier, to not stand out. But can I tell you, all change and all progress and all advancement and every revolution came because of the courage of people to be an outlier, the courage of people to stand out. <clears throat> Many years ago, I was in in Australia's capital, Canberra, and, uh, and I was speaking at, at an event, and it was like this church outreach event, and they'd organized this outreach. And so what I didn't realize was the, the, the uh, event center they hired had an upstairs event venue and a downstairs event venue. We were in the upstairs event venue. And, uh, and downstairs, they had the Australian Goths convention. It's like all the goths from all over Australia, they're having a goth convention. I'm not sure you do at a goth convention, but that's what they had. So I'm upstairs, and how many people, I love the 80s. 80s had great music. Duran Duran, hungry like the wolf. I mean, I love the 80s. Except 80s worship wasn't as the dear panther. So, so I'm, it's 2004, and I'm stuck in 80s church music, which was... Anyway, and so I decide, I decide I got a little bit of ADD. I'm going to go down and check out Jesse. I'm going to go and check out the golf convention. So I just, I just, I just was curious. I wanted to, so I went down and, uh, and they could see that I wasn't dressed as a golf. And so they come up, hey, you know, what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm just, you know, checking out. What are you guys all doing? They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm speaking upstairs. But I came down, I was kind of intrigued by, you know, what are you guys all doing? And uh, it was interesting though, all, everyone was dressed in black. They had like, you know, black dyed hair and black eyeliner and black eyeshadow and black fingernails painted. And, you know, they had black trench coats. It's the middle of summer, but they got black trench coats on, black boots, everything was black. And so I, so I said to the young girl, I said, well, you know, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like, why, why all black? Why is everyone dressed in black? Because to be different. <laughs> I'm like, you're all the same. She goes, yeah, just to be different. You're all the same. To be different. <laughs> You're all dressed in black. Yeah, to be different. You'll have no other colors on. You only have black. He has black, she has black, he has black, she has black. You're all dressed in... To be different. <laughs> what part of the spirit of this world will go over time? to get you to not speak up, to not speak out, to not stand up, to not stand out, to just conform, to just, to just be silent, to just, just be quiet. The Holocaust happened because people were afraid to speak up and speak out. People saw what was going on but, but refused. They had a cognitive dissonance and they didn't want to speak up because they didn't want to locate themselves. They didn't want to stand up because they knew they'd stand out. And if you stand out, you'll be punished. You'll be shadow banned. You'll be persecuted. Oh, oh, you want to sell your pillows? 
Mike Lindell, yeah, guess what? We just canceled you. Anyone else want to stand up? Because we'll cancel you too. We have cancel culture. We have the, it's a, what I love about, about Caleb is he passed the test of individuality. He was willing to go against the flow. He was willing to speak what he saw. He was willing to walk with the convictions in his heart. You know, leadership is lonely. That's what they taught me when I was in Bible college, Chad. They, 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 said, they said that leadership is lonely. Leadership is lonely at the top. Leadership is lonely. And, uh, and I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to believe it. But, but I, I kind of found like, yeah, because there are so few people willing to pay the price. And so one of the things that we, you know, continually get... Uh, uh, you know, and I love it. In fact, I always know that we're doing things right by the persecution. So one of the things is that awakened church, they're just having way too much fun. They're having too much. They, if you see them, they're all without. They're, they're, they're at a mouthy. Yeah. <laughs> they're eating good food. They're always laughing and celebrating. Yeah. We even saw Pastor Samuel drink a glass of wine. <laughs> Somebody reported it, Sam. Somebody reported it. I told him it was grape juice. I said it was the same as what Jesus turned the water into, grape juice. The sommelier didn't know what he was talking about when he said it was the finest. So the reason we do that, the reason we do that is because I, if, if leadership is lonely, and it is, I, human beings don't do good in isolation. So therefore, I'm going to make sure. So... And I will not apologize. We, I love get together. We, I love laughing. I love celebrating. We love having people in our home. We love going to other people's homes. The, the power of fellowship. Yeah. Do you know Jesus, what was the name of Jesus' classroom? Exactly. He didn't have one. He did all of his teaching around tables, around you know, prepare the upper room, prepare the banquet hall, prepare this. You know, he's at Simon's house. He's at the Pharisee's house. He's at this person's house. He goes, Zacchaeus, I have to go to your house for lunch. I didn't have anything on. I'm going to go to your house for lunch. Yeah. Jesus did all of his stuff in homes, breaking bread. It's so powerful. So, so we, need to, we need to do that. But it, it, I, and the reason we do that is because there's something when you get around table and you, and you break bread with people and you share. It's the table of exchange and courage and strength and affirmation. The reason the devil locked down, shut down, and isolated in 2020 was to get you to doubt yourself, was to get you to doubt your thoughts, doubt your perceptions. Man, I just feel like, ah, I don't know about this COVID thing. I, man, they, they kind of rush this, but I just don't, you know, and a mask, can a mask really prevent the transfer? And, and man, the, all the media saying it, but I just don't trust them. And, you know, safest election, most secure, ele most secure election, 81 million votes to a bumbling base dwelling, cognitively deficient guy with Kamala <laughs> Harris, who is like probably couldn't even get 1% of her party's vote. And they got, they're the most, most winning, winning. And all the votes came in after November 3. But we're meant to believe, don't trust your senses. These are not the droids you're looking for. I, and, but, but they isolated you to, to try to nullify because they want herd conformity. When I got born again, because I didn't grow up in, in, in church, when I got born again, one of the most, most, uh, most profound revelations to me, it was like an epiphany. It was, it was, it was so incredible because I, I didn't grow up in church, so all I knew was that there was a God who was a creator that through receiving Jesus and praying a prayer, I was born again. I didn't even understand born again. All I knew was I had a peace. 
I had a peace and, and a warmth was the only other way I could describe a warmth here. But I remember doing this. I remember going, <sighs> and I had this sigh, and I literally felt this weight roll off me because I, I felt like finally I can just be me. Because when I was with this group of people, I, my father had such severe father rejection, I couldn't handle any more rejection. So I would just be whatever that group wanted me to be to fit in. So when I was with the tough guys, I was a tough guy. When I was with the, I was, you know, suave guy. When I was with the, you know. <laughs> you know, it, like, I was, I was a chameleon. Like, no matter which, which crowd you put me in, I was, somebody, I was somebody else. And then I'd have to remember, hang on, with this crowd, hang on, who do I have to be again? And I remember when I, when I got born again, when I got saved, like accepted by God. Once I got accepted by God, I'm like, you know what? I don't care what men think. I can finally be me. You know what the devil hates more than anything else? Your individuality. Do you know that God made you an individual? God made you unique. God made you a one off you were made unique don't die a carbon copy of somebody else you know the real estate between the tip of your finger and that first crease is so tiny 7.6 billion people in the world and yet nobody else has the same fingerprint as you nobody else no one else has the same retina scan nobody else has the same voice print as you 7.6 billion nobody else has the same why because God made you an individual the devil wants herd conformity and the reason he wants herd conformity is because he wants you to be his cattle producing in his field that we and that he can slaughter at will and take from and you produce for him but you have no individuality you are just part of the herd step out from the herd what I like about Caleb as he stepped out, he stepped out, he stepped out. If you look at, uh, at the, the movies that inspire us, yeah. history that inspires us, it's people that stepped out. Yeah. Rosa Parks has to catch three buses to get to and from her work. And the, the law at that time with segregation laws was that the blacks ride at the back of the bus. And the conductor says, you go to the back of the bus. And she, she didn't have no more back of the bus in her. She's like, nope, I'm sitting in the front. You can't sit. And so Rosa Parks gets arrested. But Rosa Parks caused what today is known as the Alabama bus boycott and began the desegregation of the United States of America. One woman, one woman standing up, standing out, enduring persecution. Martin Luther King, one man standing up, standing out, assassinated April 4, 1963 for his standing out. You know, one of my favorite movies is Braveheart. Braveheart is so powerful because it's a, tr it's a true story where the King of England wanted to dominate the entire territory. Tonight, today we know of it as the United Kingdom. And you've got Wales, Boyle, you've got the Irish there, that's from Ireland. And then you've got the Scottish up there in, in the north there, you've got Scotland. And then you've got England, and it's the United Kingdom. But Longshanks wanted to take the whole lot. And so the Scottish nobles, and, and you know, they, they, they were cowards. These elected officials, they'd sold out their people because Longshanks invited them to the table and he gave them title and he gave them estates and he gave them land, whatever they wanted in order to sell out their people. And that's what they did. And so a, a guy rises up by the name of William Wallace. And the, the, one of the opening scenes is you, you, you see this, it's, it's a ragamuffin band of 
these aren't, these aren't warriors. These aren't a trained army. This is not a Scottish military. They're, 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 they're literally men who are representing their, their families, who are coming off their lands, coming off their farms, and they, they, they don't have sophisticated weaponry. They got like a Maddox or, or a plow and, and, and they're standing there. And, and, and then all of a sudden over the hill comes this regimented, organized, uniformed, armored horses, everything in rank and file, the archers over here. The, and and as, as, as the Scottish people see the, the English army coming across, they, they, they begin to turn and, and begin to leave, saying, I'm not, I'm not dying for this. I, I don't want to die today. Maybe I can. And they're wanting to walk away from the battle. And then all of a sudden on a horse, this man rides in with half of his face painted blue. And they're like, who's that? That's William Wallace. No, he's too, that's not tall enough. Aye, I've heard William Wallace is nine feet tall, shoots lightning bolts out to these eyes and something else that I can't mention in church. <laughs> He says, I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my fellow countrymen gathered in defiance of tyranny. I've got to do it on the horse. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. But what will you do with that freedom? Will you fight? No, we'll run and we'll live. Aye, the English are too many. Aye, fight, you may die. <laughs> Run and you'll live for a while anyway. But many years from now, lying, dying in your beds, how many of you be willing to trade every day from this day to that for one chance, just one chance to tell Longshanks, to tell our enemies, you can take our land, you can take our lives, but you'll never take our freedom. <laughs> And at that, a ragamuffin militia of Scottish peasants rose up and defeated the British army. They took territory after territory, ground after ground, because one man stood up with courage in his generation. Can I tell you, manning the polls, voting, going against the flow, going against all the fake news, false prophets, lying media, standing up saying, I support President Trump. I believe Trump won the 2020 election. I don't believe 2020 was the securest election. You know, I have a problem seeing J6 as an insurrectionist or oh, the worst thing worse than 9-11 I think you guys are smoking crack because all I saw was the, the, the summer of love with the raiding and the looting and the destruction and the anarchy and the chaos and the murder you say, you say that was all good and you're bailing them out and then all of a sudden this was a really bad thing are, are you see yeah. Yeah. test of individuality can you stand against the status quo? Can you stand up and stand out? Number two, the test of resilience and longevity. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8 says, the end of a thing is greater than the beginning. The end of a thing. The end of a thing is greater than the beginning. I love the beginning of things. But the Bible says the end of something is better. I love, I love the excitement around a new idea. Pastor Samuel, he's awesome because he gets a book idea and publishes it. Yeah. <laughs> Hector, I've got 16 brilliant books completely unfinished in my computer. I've got 
brilliant. Oh my gosh, I'm going to write this book. It's awesome. But the Bible says the end of a thing, finish it. Jesus said, it is finished. Noah finished his work. The end of a thing. But the end of the thing requires resilience. It requires endurance. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Should be a song that is on every church's playlist. That's a Christian song. The guy didn't even know he was writing a Christian song. I get knocked down, but I get up again. That's a Christian song. Samuel reckons, who let the dogs out? It should be, but no, Samuel, it's not for church. Leave it in your car, not for church, Samuel. Watch this. Go to 1 Timothy 1 verse 18. 1 Timothy 1 verse 18. The Apostle Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says this to Timothy. He says, hey, Timothy, remember the, remember the prophecies that you've received? Remember the words from God? He says, like Caleb, Caleb had a word from Moses. He says, I want you to wage the good warfare according to the prophecies previously made concerning you. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people think, well, if God prophesied it, then I don't have to do anything. I'll just sit on my hands and it'll just happen. But Paul's saying, "Ah, actually, not so. As soon as the word of the Lord goes from God's mouth, there is a spirit in the world that wants to resist God's word. The reason it resists God's word is because God's will and God's word are hand in hand. God never wills something he doesn't word, and God never words something he doesn't will. God never speaks something. He's like, well, I, was, I didn't really mean it. When God speaks it, the Bible says he watches over his word to perform it. We wouldn't need contracts if every human watched over their word to perform it. We need contracts because men speak words. They have no intention they make promises, they make covenants, they exchange vows at altars, they have no intention to. But God is not like men. He watches over his word to perform it. But there is a devil in the world that doesn't want the kingdom of God. He doesn't want God to be established. He, he thwarts the kingdom, so he, he opposes. So Paul says to, to Timothy, he says, Timothy, you've got all these prophecies, you've got all these words. I want you to wage the good warfare according to the prophecies. In other words, the prophecies came to pass. Well, what it requires is for you to do some battle. It's for you to do some, ga- it's for you to pray until something, it's for you to push. You got to push back against the principalities and powers. Now, what I like about this is that that Caleb says, 45 years ago, Moses gave me a word. And Joshua, just so you know, it still burns on the inside. And until I see with my eyes what was promised from the mouth of God, I can't let up, I can't give up, I can't back up. I've got to, I can't, in this, in this house, we intend to mess you up a little bit. In this house, we intend to get God's best to you, that you'll hear words, that you'll receive promises from God, that when you hear what God has said and you look at your reality, there's a, there's a difference. There's a gap. And you could either lower God's word to your reality or you can let your reality line up with God's word. May I suggest to you, when we came to San Diego, when we came to San Diego, I just made appointments to see, you know, pastors and, and you know, other churches. I just thought, I just want to be friends. I don't want to, I, I'm a friendly, I like friends. And so, and at the last minute, this particular pastor, you know, kind of said, I'll oh, talk to the associate pastor. So 
I'm like, okay, well, talk to the associate. So we kind of, you know, we walk in and he sits down and oh, I sit, we sit down and he's like, so San Diego. I'm like, ah, oh, I love San Diego, it's so beautiful. He goes, why would you pick San Diego? I'm like, oh, I didn't, you know, my pastor, I wanted to be a youth pastor. because youth pastor is awesome. It's like the Peter Pan of ministry. You never have to grow up. Anyway, my parents, so I tell him the story, and then he just leans across the table, he interrupts me, I didn't even get to finish. He leans across the table and goes, let me tell you, son, people are tired here. They're tired. thinking flip I need to apologize it's my fault they're Leanne we made people tired just turning up and he leans across he goes San Diego doesn't need any more churches there aren't enough people going to churches that have other people try to tell us San Diego was a preacher's graveyard oh yeah everybody wants to go to San Diego because the weather's so good everybody hears from God third church in San Diego not old church with thick feet, it's the preacher's graveyard. And then other people are trying to tell us, hey, 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 are you going to start a church in San Diego? Do you know how expensive San Diego is? And let me tell you something, there's no zoning for, for churches, so any, if you can manage to get a building, oh yeah, you better get ready, you got to fight with the city to get a conditional use permit, a CUP. I'm thinking, you know what you're missing is a cup. But that's another point for another time. A CUP. Conditional use permit. So they told me all. They told me all of these things. So what, what do I do? God gave me a word. Do I say, Oh God, <laughs> you're such an optimist, completely devoid of reality, though, aren't you? Or do I take reality? You have a choice in this life. I don't want to get to heaven realizing that God released a word that he watches over to perform. Caleb said, he says, the word that Moses released has kept me, has kept me these 45 years so that I can't, I can't explain it. My doctors can't understand the physiology and the biology, but for whatever reason, at 85, I have the same strength. You probably said it, Scotty. At 85, I've got the same strength as I had at 40. What are you looking at? You and your three buddy outside, I'm going to take the lot of you on. Or you're looking at my wee mountain area. It's not yours, it's mine. And I'll fight you for it. That's what I'll do. And I'll kick your wee backside. That's what I'll do, right? Like he's at 85. He's ready to throw down. He said, the word that was released has kept me. Can I tell you, one of the greatest tragedies in America is right now we have men who die at 23. It's an epidemic. We have all these men who are dying at 23. Now we don't bury them till they're 75. But they've graduated from college and they stop believing, they stop dreaming, they just conform to the rat race, they just conform to get a job, pay off my student loans, get a mortgage, pay it off, have a few, and they stop 
dreaming. They stop carrying the promises of God. Caleb says there's something I can't explain. There's something supernatural. The same God that spoke the word is the same God who watches over his word. His word released a power. The Bible says those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their youth. They shall renew their strength. They shall renew their youth like the, like the eagles. There's something supernatural. You show me somebody with vision, I'll show you a young person. You show me somebody who's pregnant with the promise of God and there's vitality, there's strength, but you can look at people, they're 40 and 50 and they look 70 and 80 because they have no word. They've given, they're just whining and just complaining and somebody for 45 years, Caleb's promise was delayed because of the behavior of other people. It wasn't Caleb believed God. It was the children of Israel grumbled and the children of Israel complained and the children of Israel cried out and the children of Israel wanted to, to choose a leader and leave Moses. The children of Israel were in unbelief. The children of Israel, it was them. But nowhere does Caleb adopt a victim stance. The day somebody else is able to take away your dream, you just exalted them above God. Well, you didn't understand, Pastor. There was this person, or there was these people, or this person did that, and then they said that. And when they said that, I just felt like it. <laughs> you, God gives you a choice. You can have sympathy, or you can have power. You can have sympathy, or you can have power. But you have to choose. I want power. I don't want sympathy. Sympathy is for victims. Power is for conquerors. Caleb doesn't throw it. He's like, I've been carrying this dream and it's still alive on the inside of me. He might have got knocked down. He might have got disappointed. Can I just say this? It looked like his dream was delayed, but delayal and denial are two different things. Just because it's delayed doesn't mean it's denied. Just because it's delayed. Moses, I mean Moses, Abraham had been believing since he was 60 for a, for a, a child. In fact, before that, but that was when the God first promised him, it was 40 years, 40 years later, little Yitzhak was born. 40 years. Can you imagine in 10 years, people saying, are you still? <laughs> You're kidding me. You're 70. Dude. Yeah, God promised you. When you were 60 and Sarah was 50. You're 70 and 60. Dude, give it up. 20 years. Oh my gosh, I just came back from Abraham's house. He's still believing for a baby. Oh, he's crazy, isn't he? It was delayed. Was it denied? God puts dreams inside of men. God puts dreams inside of people. You want to carry the God dream. You want to be pregnant with a dream from God. It'll keep you young. It'll keep you strong. It, it, there's something about the God purpose for your life. And even though it's delayed, even though other people may look like they're sabotaging it, are behind me. That's just for atmosphere. That's just for atmosphere. I should do the third point. 
I like Sammy. He does the he does the Jedi mind trick on me all the time. He says, you should finish the third point. You need to give me a hundred dollars. I'm like, wow, I didn't even okay. <laughs> Uh, how many people love Pastor Samuel and Katie? Aren't they the best? Oh, shoot. I've got to finish. All right, number three, number three, number three. So it was the, the test of individuality, the test of resilience and longevity. The third one is the test of warfare. The test of warfare. Revelation 12, verse 7. Revelation 12, verse 7. says, and war broke out in Afghanistan. Excuse me, sorry. And war broke out in Iraq. Excuse me. And war broke out in the Middle East. Hang on. And war broke out in Earth because Earth has fallen and jacked up and messed up. Oh, so why are you looking at me like that? Isn't that, what, isn't that what it says? What does it say? And war broke out in... War broke out where? And war broke... Um, uh, look, I'm just... I have a problem with like these Christians and warfare. Like, we should be like Jesus, who was a pacifist, who spent his days with the homeless, even though I can't find it in the scriptures, who just loved everybody. He called them whitewashed tombs. Yeah, but he was never... He flipped over tables. Well, um, we, we, we tear those pages out. We... That's not the Jesus we've recreated, violating the second, second commandment, not to make any gods in our preferences. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back. There was no longer a place found for them, so they were cast into the earth. And then it says, rejoice, you heavens and you who dwell therein, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and sea. That's us. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows his time is short. So heaven is at peace. The reason heaven is at peace is because they drove out evil. Our children are not at peace with CRT, LGBTQ, pornography, grooming, drag reading hour. Our children are not safe. They're not at peace because there's evil that must be driven out. Evil must be driven out. Our state is not at peace because there's evil, evil in our capital. Oh, Pastor Jurgen, the Bible says you shouldn't judge. No, it says judge trees by their fruit, darling. And so when I see them passing an AB 2223 that wants to make it legal to abort a baby even after it's born, up to first it was seven days and then it was 21 days then it was a month and now they're trying to pass it for 11 months and one year and then three years and then seven years to these people are insane if you want to pass a law killing children killing babies we're going to drive you out we're going to kick your butt to the curb you have no place get away from our children get away from our schools get out of our position we want people that preserve life and liberty in power. All right, I have to finish. I have to finish. So, how many people know that God gave Joshua the promised land? He gave the children of Israel the promised land. So you would think after drying up the Red Sea, after, you know, the Jordan River, and they, they cross again on dry land, they get into the promised land. You would think that when they got there, God himself or an angel meets them. Congratulations, guys. Look what I got my hands on. It's a lamb flowing with milk and honey. God put a big bow on it. Just go ahead, untie it, untie it. 
When they get to the promised land, Jericho was tightly shut up. Ai was fortified. Jebus said, you shall not come up here. Every single city had a giant, had opposition, had an army. Had, they had to fight for every square inch. Did God not promise it? He promised it. Did God not give it? He gave it. But they had to fight. Can I tell you, every promise of God requires spiritual warfare. It requires you praying. It requires you engaging. Now watch this. God gave them the victory, but they had to engage in the battle. God has already determined that you're going to have the victory. Matthew 11, 12 says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I put that scripture up there just to be provocative because woke people and woke pastors will avoid that scripture. So let me read it one more time. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The great tragedy in our time is the devil is more violent at destroying people than the church is violent at taking down the devil. You better believe I have no sympathy and no compassion for the devil. We don't have any compassion. We don't want to coexist with demons. If you have a demon, we're casting it out because it'll torment and destroy. We drive out devils. We drive out. We are here on earth to bring in the kingdom of God and to bring in the kingdom of God. We have to push out the kingdom of darkness. You know, the NIV says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. I know it doesn't go with your woke theology, but can I tell you, neither does the Bible. The Bible nowhere reinforces woke theology. The Bible reinforces warfare theology. The Bible reinforces warrior theology. You were created to be a warrior. You were created to take territory. You were created to advance. You were created to kick the devil out everywhere you find. You have authority. God has anointed you and appointed you to drive out evil, starting in your own home, in your own family, and then in your community. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's give God a praise today. Come on. If you believe that, give God a shout. Oh! Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Lift your hands high to heaven. Say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you today that your hand is upon my life, that you have anointed me to drive out evil, to establish your kingdom in the earth so that righteousness, peace, justice, and freedom will prevail in the land. I declare today, now I want you to get a bit of authority. I declare today, devil, in the name of Jesus, every hold you have had over my life, over my family, over my world, will be torn down. I will evict you. I will drive you out so that Jesus will be glorified and peace will prevail. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. 
live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.